You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz, we live. We live. It's Locked On Hornets. Today's episode is brought to you by Nickelob Ultra at only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. Stay tuned for the Ultra Player of the Week coming up later in the episode. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Local experts on the number one daily sports podcast network. And you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. And you can follow us on Twitter at Locked On Hornets, at Walker Mail, and at Nod of the Scribe. All right, usually we lead off with the Michelob Ultra Player of the Week. That's something that we start off these Wednesday shows with. But there's bigger news to hit, and that's just going to have to wait for a little while. Yeah, now, normally we appease the money. Normally, we absolutely appease the money here, guys. Unfortunately, there's a bigger event that happened, even if they backed into it. So. <laughs> yeah, that's correct. And look, we'll get to it. We'll celebrate. We'll pop the Mick Ultra in just one moment, but it's going to have to wait a little while. We can wait. I, I like beer, too. I love beer. Good God, it's great. But we're going to have to wait for a little bit because the Hornets are in the postseason in some form, Nada. Hornets made it. For yes. the first time since 2015 and 2016, the Charlotte Hornets are in some form of postseason play. And the reason that happened, despite the loss to the Nuggets, 117-112, to 112, the Chicago Bulls lost last night to the Brooklyn Nets, and that confirms the Hornets' spot in at least the play-in tournament. Now, here are the scenarios we're going to go over real quickly. The Charlotte Hornets are currently the eighth seed. The bad news is the Indiana Pacers beat Philadelphia. Monster yeah. win, as Matt yeah. said last night on Twitter. Monster. Okay, Karis LeVert, he hit a big boy shot towards the end of that game to solidify their victory. So they beat Philadelphia. Pacers and Hornets have the same record. But the good news is that the Hornets have the tiebreaker over Indiana. So the Hornets still have the eight seed over Indiana. The Washington Wizards, they're currently a game back. The Hornets have three more games left to go. And the Hornets own the tiebreaker over the Wizards as well. So all you have to do is you have to make it into the last game of the season against Washington with a one game lead. And if you do that, you can lose to the Wizards as long as Indiana's out of the picture in this scenario, you can lose that game if you're a game up on them and still own the tiebreaker enough to get that eight seed. And the eight seed is important because all you have to do is win one game in the play-in tournament and then you're in the playoffs outright. And if you don't win, you get another shot at the loser of the other play-in game that's going on. So that's the kind of scenario that the Charlotte Hornets find in front of them right now, Nada. But they are in somewhat of the driver's seat. No, they're in the driver's seat for this eight seed. It's a tough schedule. Clippers, Knicks on Saturday, and then the Wizards are on the second night of a back-to-back -back Sunday. We'll see how that goes. But the Hornets are in the driver's seat with their eight seed, and they have solidified a play-in spot already. Hornets are in the postseason in some form. Yeah, like, that's the thing. Like, at the end of the day, this team that wasn't supposed to be in the play-in tournament at all wasn't picked to be in the play-in tournament. Matter of fact, a lot of publications either had them somewhere between 11th and 13th in the division, in the conference. Like, this team was not expected to compete this year. This team was supposed to be worse than the team that, that showed up the previous season. The fact that we're at this point and... The like the season's a success. There is nothing that any fan could say or should say about 
how this team essentially is, again, how the season went. There's no, oh, we should have tanked. There's no, there's like nothing. This team succeeded at its job. This team had a successful season. There is no other way to put it. They could lose in the first game of the play-in tournament and be out. Or they could they could get blown out. They could make the playoffs, have a four-game set against the again, get get rocked by Philly in the as an eight seed, and that would be okay. This season is officially a success, guys. And I think that's okay. I think it's okay to say it now. Yeah, I'm I'm fine with that because one, you could argue it starts and ends with LaMelo Ball being what he is uh, yes. immediately. As soon as he starts having that kind of impact, you could immediately say, oh, okay, this season's a success. Can't wait for the future. It could be that, but it doesn't really just end with LaMelo, even though he could make up a large portion. You had Miles Bridges have the type of season that he had. Terry Rozier had a career year. We'll see what happens with him. Malik Monk was mentioned as a Luke Walton all-star, one of the more anticipated end-of-the-season articles written by Zach Lowe, just to see the role players that uh, really thrived in their role. Malik Monk was a part of that, and so he had a career year. We know Devontae and PJ were kind of up and down, but PJ, even if he was bad last night from the three-point line, PJ started to pick it up at the end of the year. Devonte had an excellent game. There, there's a lot of things to like, and the injuries took away, I think, a lot of the happiness because it was rough. I know other teams have suffered a lot of injuries too. It's okay to be frustrated by the injuries. It was a lot. I would love to see how this team could have performed had Gordon, Lamelo, Miles, Malik, Devonte not been in and out. There were, I can't think of any player that was so Iron Man like, except maybe Terry. I mean, Terry was yeah, the guy. Terry's the only one. Yeah, Terry. Terry was out maybe a couple of times, but that's about it. That was really that really didn't miss a string of games here and there. And Gordon has missed all this time. Your thirty million dollar man guy, uh, a year guy. We we know what it is with the injuries. It really hurt them. And when they were healthy, the Hornets were playing pretty damn well. Like they got all the way to the four seed, Nada. Yeah. <laughs> they got all the way up there, and it seemed somewhat legit compared to the other teams around them. So I'm with you. I like what the Hornets did this year. It's not over. You got three games left. We'll see what happens as far as their ability to get that eight seed. And then we'll see if they get to the playoffs outright and have a first round playoff series to help get these young players some playoff experience, which is valuable. So I'm with you. I, I think this was a season that you can walk away from thinking, OK, yep, already we did something pretty nice next year, as we've stated all year long. Next year is the time where the expectations yeah. are going to come. All right, we'll talk about the Michelob Ultra player uh, of the week on, on the other side of the break. As soon as we get to that, then we can talk a little bit more about the Denver Nuggets game last night and some of the scenarios still that are ahead of us. It's coming up next on the Locked On Hornets podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network. This is Locked On Hornets. I said, oh, oh, hell yeah. Just giving that confirmation of how awesome this is going to be. You tweeted at me, you're going to be singing the chorus to Billie Jean if you ain't careful. <laughs> and Again, I point to the lie. Yes, I. You're, well, yeah, you're right. This goes back to our first conversation. There's a yes, lot of babies does. being exactly. had out there. Goodness gracious, unexpected exactly. ones. Point ones to that the lie. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. 
Since Michelob Ultra evokes joy, we're going to go with one of the players this week that has given you so much joy, not only this week, but this year. Given though enjoyment isn't the end of the game, it's the whole game. Are you happy because you win or do you win because you're happy? I think that's a perfect question for a couple of these players that could win it this week because Nada, it's kind of up in the air, but I'm leaning more towards Terry Rozier has come back and, and taken his crown once again. What are you thinking? I get it. I get it. I, I, I understand why you want to go that route. <laughs> um, Terry has carried this team a lot. We also know my feelings about just de- like Terry Rozier being the default answer. And people are going to bring up, hey, you were the one that voted Miles three weeks in a row. And they're kind of right. So I'm not going to lie. Well, and it's it, been a while since Terry has gotten one. He Terry, hadn't had the greatest month. Yeah, exactly. It's it, But... I kind of want to give it to Devonte just for the one game. Just for the one game. <laughs> just because he was so good. Game. Like, I, I like. There's a part of me that really just wants to give it to Devonte because I think at some point, like, we have to recognize his efforts and recognize that him being on the floor compared to Brad Wanamaker is a vast difference, and it makes you a whole lot more competitive in games against I don't know, really, really, really good teams. Devonte was really good last night. I just think Terry Rozier, the last uh, we've got four games to evaluate and they went one and three in those games. So it's not the best array of contests to evaluate from, but Terry Rozier against Chicago was five of 16, not a great game. And that game against the bulls is pretty bad. Then he gets it back on track against Orlando, you know, 45% from the field, nine of 20, 16 of 26 he had a 43 point performance against new orleans and despite losing it wasn't because of terry terry was excellent in that one and so i mean even that game like if you wanted to combat i would probably throw that 43 point game against what Devonte did last night even Very if it was true. fantastic and then against denver last night still a reliable source of offense 21 points not the greatest three-point shooting night but still was able to get 21 so I'm going to go with Terry Rozier there was one guy I looked at Nada just to see how he stacked up can you guess who that surprise player is I'm assuming it was Jalen McDaniel it was not Jalen was very good last night very happy with what he did but it was not Jalen McDaniels it was Cody Zeller Cody Zeller this past week has been good and it only yeah. begs me to continue to raise my eyebrow as to why Bismack is getting the starters minutes. Now that wasn't necessarily the case last night. He started, but he didn't get the starters minutes that went to Cody because Cody made it hard on Nicola. There are a couple of possessions in a row where Cody was actually staying in front of Nikola Jokic in a way other guys couldn't. And also Cody scored 15, seven of nine from the field. He scores 17 against new Orleans, six of nine from the field. He came back against Chicago with 18 minutes, only 18 minutes, and he scored 11 points. Not of the points per, I mean, the amount of points that he's scoring and just the limited amount of minutes he's playing has been very good. Offensively, Cody has been very good, and James Borrego twice now this week has praised him for his effort, how he is somebody that the other team should kind of follow as far as the will and the determination that they play with, saying, yeah, Cody is a tone setter, and the other team and the other guys on the roster need to pick up what Cody is doing right now. So some real praise from James 
Borrego, who has not been shy about casting some blame on his big guys this season. So I think Terry, with the 43-point performance, the reliable source of offense, I think he was too good. But Cody, this week, at least deserved a look. Yeah, no, he absolutely deserved a look. I will give you that. And I do think it's really interesting that when James Borrego basically compliments Cody Zeller, the first thing he brings up is effort. Yeah, because that the one thing that popped out, especially in that week against the Cavs and the Bulls, where Cody Zeller looked absolutely cooked, and he 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 just did. He looked absolutely cooked. The one thing that popped out was the lack of effort, the lack of hustle. There was some a lot of un Cody Zeller like things that happened in that stretch. And if the effort's back, then yeah, I'm totally with you on playing him more, but. If it gets back to that Chicago, that Cleveland level of effort, yo, we got a problem. So, like, I I, I do want to recognize him, and it's funny you mentioned Cody Zeller because you know what? Had you told me before the show, I might have agreed with you, and this would make it an interesting podcast, and <laughs> it would have been an interesting, like, we, we would have actually praised Cody Zeller. But no, I'm sticking to my guns, and I'm sticking with Devontae Graham. The, the one gamer, huh? The one gamer yes, going to win it for an entire week, despite a 43-pointer from Terry, and despite Cody actually performing pretty well this week. No, Devontae was awesome last night. Um, De- Devontae, 31 points, 10 of 19 from the field, flames from three-point land, going 7 of 14, and he scored 19 of his 31 total points in the fourth quarter to keep them alive. The Charlotte Hornets came back and really in the first half, it got ugly. They were down 21, but they came back to make it somewhat close at the end of the half. I saw plenty of Hornets Twitter saying all things considered, not all that bad. You know, like you look, you look at the way that it got ugly in that first quarter. I'll take this deficit heading into the locker room. And it was close in the second half. A lot of that had to do because Devante was flames. And uh, so I I get why you wanted to praise him so much for what he did last night. No, Devante, like what what Devante did last night was a very big thing in just basically stabilizing the bench. And it's nice to have a point guard that you know has two working hands and two working wrists Ooh, and two functional buddy. like it's nice to know that there's at least one point guard like that right now and the fact that it's not Brad Wanamaker makes you feel even better but like at some point like the Devonte Graham has has managed to turn his game up and I don't want to turn this into a Malik Monk bashing session because Malik wisely recognized by Zach Lowe as a, as a uh, Luke Walton all-star this week. But at the same time, we're seeing Devontae step up for the, step up to the moment. And we've seen it a little bit more in the second half of the season after I've called him multiple times on this podcast, a pa- uh, passenger, and just being there along for the ride. Devontae made, again, there were certain things that I didn't really appreciate until he was gone for like the last four games. I absolutely appreciate them now. And I I will continue to go into that. Yeah, Devontae Devontae provides a steady hand, and there's no doubt about it. He's a smart decision maker of the basketball. He was so again last night. Only one turnover, five assists. He took on the role of a shooter because he was hot, and he even made some two-point field goals in this game, Nada. How about that? So five field goal attempts from Devontae were taken with inside the three-point arc, which you might think, okay, five, that's nothing. It is for Devontae. That might as well be 17 field goal attempts inside the arc, and he hit a few of them. 
He even hit one in transition where he got bodied by Austin Rivers and gave you some muscle, gave you some flex after he hit a real tough shot in transition, at least real tough for Devontae. Yeah, he got blocked because when Devontae throws those things up in the paint, they often do get his shot blocked. But at least he hit a couple of those two-point field goals on top of hitting from deep. And to your point about Malik, had a few bad turnovers, had three total. There were a couple that were, it was a bad sequence too. I mean, it, it really just came all at one time for Malik. So I think you might leave this game with a worse opinion on what he did than what it actually was just because they'd all came at one time, but it really was a bad sequence and there's no doubt about it. Still, three of six from the field, hit a three-pointer, um, you know, had three assists too, because we know about his passing ability. So not an awful game, but granted there was that bad sequence real quickly. I want to get to your point about having a point guard and the other guards, just basically having healthy wrists. LaMelo continues to massage that right wrist to hold on to it, to kind of I guess, I don't know if grimace is the right word, but certainly make a face. He's constantly messing with it, Nada. And we saw this in the last game where I told you, take LaMelo out of the bleeping game when he hit it on the backboard. James Brago and the coaching staff, they finally do. and, And then he comes back in. I guess the training staff clears him. I told you about my hesitation with that because they cleared him after the Clippers game. They take an MRI and oh God, he's got an MRI or he's got a, he's got a hairline fracture that held him out for a while. And now he's still messing with it. I I just, I know that the Hornets are in a position where they could get the eight seed, get to a playoff series, provide valuable playoff experience. But does that mean that you're willing to risk LaMelo ball having a serious enough injury to where maybe it doesn't keep him out for any portion of next season, but he gets injured. He's out for a while. And then maybe he's got enough basketball activity this off season to come back full strength next year, but it's still an injury. I don't want my star my star of the future to have another problem with his wrist on his dominant hand. How do you handle all of this? Because LaMelo is actively messing with that thing constantly out there in the game. Look, I don't know how to handle that one. I I am like, there are times where you put him out there and, and the team puts him out there and you can tell he's just not right. And the thing that I just keep coming back to is that this is a kid who needs his hands, whose tactile touch, who broke a load-bearing bone in his thumb. A- again, in his, the wrist bone part of his thumb. And, like, I like there's, there's a lot of this that feels dicey to me. And uh, granted, he can't probably make it any worse. But at the same time, if this delays off-season training, and as everybody that will listen to the, any sort of NBA podcast will tell you, like the biggest set of growth is between season one and season two of an NBA season. So if this delays weight training, if this delays a whole lot of other things, like at what point does it no longer become worth it? At what point is it okay? We're in the play in tournament now. Maybe we, we back this off or maybe we do something different because at something like, I just I, there's a part of me that really does worry that this this is going to be something that delays some sort of growth point for next season. And, that, and, and I, that's my biggest concern at this point. I mean, he's been he had been on a minutes restriction. He came in 
and he's been averaging 30 minutes per game ever since he came back from that injury. And then you see him hit his wrist on the backboard against New Orleans. And then Nada, he goes one of nine from the field last night. It was not a good shooting night for LaMelo. He really struggled and he contributes rebounding. He contributes assist. Still has had a lot of turnovers. That's been a problem since he's come back from his broken wrist. I just... I don't want to risk this. I, I, I don't Boy, care. Man. I know we've locked this in. I know we're trying to battle for that eight spot, but it should not come at the expense of LaMelo Ball's health. So we'll see. We'll see what that injury report says going forward. If there's any way that we're saying, hey, LaMelo's questionable with some wrist soreness. You know, they, they've gone so far as to say need discomfort for Devonte. I wonder if we have wrist discomfort for LaMelo. I haven't gotten the injury report. We'll see what the Charlotte Hornets are going to be putting out there soon. But it's Terry Rozier and Devonte Graham really just being your player of the night and not his case. I'm going with the player of the week in Terry Rozier. Thanks How again to Michelob you. Ultra. <laughs> and yes, How it's true. Uh, thanks again to Michelob Ultras for supporting the show. As always, we'll take a quick break. We've got one more segment to go. We'll wrap it up next. Locked on Hornets podcast. This is locked on Hornets. I don't like doing that unless like I am totally annoyed. I don't drop the big joker in spades or that early. I don't drop the big joker. I only do it when I am officially annoyed and I don't want to have this conversation. And I'm going to be real honest with you, Walker. I the last thing I want to be talking about at 10 at night is Blake Griffin and the possibility of him coming here. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Did you know that Built Bar has nine delicious flavors plus the occasional limited time flavor? When you talk to a Built Bar fan, they're definitely passionate about their favorites. And if you know the Built Bar flavors, if you don't know the Built Bar flavors, you're missing out. And we've told you that a million times. Coconut, coconut almond, peanut butter brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel. There's something for everyone. You know what my favorite flavor is? We know it's coconut brownie chunk. But if I have to go somewhere different, I like some of the cheesecake flavors that they offer. Those are really good. And I'm a fiend for chocolate. So the double chocolate is right up my alley as well. If you haven't tried all the flavors, you can get a mixed box too. That's what I would advise where you'll get two of each of the nine flavors that they've got currently. Don't know what to get. Uh, don't know what to get somebody for a gift, anything like that. If you just want to say, Hey, you know, here's a gift. I like you a lot. Here's a mixed box of built bars. I think that would be a perfect gift for whoever you care about in your life. Go to builtbar.com and use promo code locked 15 and you'll get 15% off your first order. Use promo code locked 15 for 15% off at builtbar.com. And the good news is nada that they'll send it right to you. So you don't have to use up some of that precious, precious gas to go to your local store and yes. pick up belt bar. How are you on the gas situation? Well, look at this point, I got about 200 something miles left in the car. <laughs> I, again, it said 250, but I always subtract about 20 when with, with the digital meter telling me how many miles I have left to, to go before an empty tank. So I should be good until this weekend. And then if this weekend happens and I still ain't getting no gas, yeah, I'm gonna be in trouble. But um, um, but but more importantly, that's not the shortage I'm worried about the most right now. Because that's not even a shortage. That's just people being stupid. Yeah. The shortage I'm worried about, Walker. There's Chick Fil A is setting sauce limits. <laughs> like, what am I gonna do without my Polynesian, bro? Yeah, well, have you seen that grocery stores are actually selling the Chick Fil A sauces that you can take home? And have you participated in that? It buying ain't the yet? same. Is it not the same? I'm not. Here's the thing with me, Nada. I like it. I'm not. I'm not a hater. They're good. The sauces are good. Chick Fil A, just fine. 
I am not nearly as big of a fan of Chick-fil-A as everyone else is. I'm just not. Chick-fil-A is good. Chick-fil-A is good. I'm just not going to wait in that god-awful line that isn't all that different from the lines that we're seeing at gas stations right now. When you go to the one on South Boulevard and you've got those cars lined up into the actual road, I'm just not going to be dealing with that. And so when you talk about Chick-fil-A is just head and shoulders above all the other fast food restaurants, I just can't agree with it. I like it. I have no problem going to get some Chick-fil-A. Their sauces, pretty damn good. But this shortage doesn't affect me nearly as much, I think, as it affects you and others. I recognize that it affects a lot of others, just not me the same. See, this is all because you have no idea how to use the... um. You just got to use the app. I've, I haven't gone through the drive-thru for Chick-fil-A in almost eight months. I have, yeah. <laughs> You've got to use the app. You got to order ahead. You got to do the. You got to do the curbside pickup. It's faster. And you, you're right, and I've been in the car with someone who is well versed in the Chick Fil A language and using the app, and so we have been able to go through the line somewhat quickly. Again, it's just, I, I, it's okay. It's fine. It's good stuff, but it doesn't affect me as much. Now, do this gas shortage actually affects me right now? Yeah, I'm not going to lie. Does. To- I bet it does. I bet so, it does. I saw a tweet this morning that over 70% yep. of the gas stations mm-hmm. in the Charlotte metro area are completely out. Yep. And of course, it just so happens that this week, as of a few days ago, or two days ago, I went to one bar left. I have an electronic meter as far as how much gas I have as well. And I'm at one bar right now. I'm not in the orange. I'm not in the warning. You need to go get some gas. Not now, but right now area. But I have one bar left and I didn't know that it was going to be like this. Even just two days ago where I didn't even know that there was even a gas shortage coming. I don't know if that's something I should have been aware of more than two days ago. I just saw the famous picture of that couple filling a ton of canteens up as much as they possibly could. And I was like, oh, my God, people are idiots. And now I still feel that way, but it affects me now. I, I'm, I don't know if I can go anywhere. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're going to be door dashing a lot. Like, I am. I did. I did yesterday. I door dashed oh, yesterday. Like, I had I- to. I don't know, man. That sounds like, like that sounds rough. That sounds because like- I, I don't know where to go if all of these gas stations are completely out of gas. I'm worried. I like and and I'm not even I'm not even so much worried that I want to go fill it up. I just need a couple more bars and I'm good. The thing is, if I go to this gas station close by and they don't have any because over 70% of the gas stations around me don't have any gas, and then I go to the other gas station close by and they don't have gas either then I've used up a decent amount of gas and how am I going to get home? It's, it's a problem. Not a, I might just have to wait it out. Might just have to wait it out. At this point, you just need a homeboy with a gas can to hook you up. Yeah. As mind you, gas can, not plastic bag. Apparently (laughs) I've seen a a bunch of y'all on social media and your cousins are using plastic bags. Tell them to stop. Yes, please tell them to stop. stop. Um, All right, let's transition real quickly and talk about the Charlotte Hornets' next three games. How many wins will get the job done? How many would you bet on? And if you were to bet on that, you could go to Bet Online AG. It's the fastest and the easiest way to bet on all your sports action. You can get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including Major League Baseball, the NBA, NHL, and even your UFC MMA action. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts, promo code locked on. Not a three more games left. We have a game tomorrow against the Clippers. Hornets have one day rest. Then you have a game against the Knicks. 
one day rest on Saturday. Then you have a game against the Wizards Sunday. That's the second night of a back-to-back coming off of that game against the Knicks. How many wins do you think the Hornets need to attain that eight seed with Indiana tied, but you own the tiebreaker and Washington a game back, you own that tiebreaker and you play them the last game of the season? They just need one. They just need one win right now. Like one. I don't think... I, it, j- all they got to do is beat Washington because I don't. I look at the Indiana. I look at Indiana's schedule and I don't see them winning. I see them winning maybe one game against Toronto at the end of the season. So okay, but I just don't see like to s- secure the eight seed. I really do feel like they just need one, just one. That's it. That's all. That's all we're asking. I don't think we're asking much. Beat Washington in the final game of the season. Because I'm not expecting them to beat the the Clippers, even though the Clippers game feels like one of those games where either the Clippers do not care or the Clippers go all in and then rest the last two games, which are against OKC and Houston. I like there's a lot of this that just feels like I can see the Hornets getting two wins. I would be surprised if the Hornets got two wins, but I can see it for some reason. Something's something's not at the math isn't mathing right now for me right now, and, and that's why I can see them get getting two. I think you feel comfortable with one. If they get two, we might have to have a discussion about. Hey, maybe they get up to seven. That's how good I feel about that. Yeah, uh, I do not. I do not feel good about them getting up to seven. You look at the Indiana Pacers schedule. They take on Milwaukee tomorrow at seven on paper. That's an L they just beat Philadelphia. So who knows? But on paper, Milwaukee is going to win that game against Indiana. And a Milwaukee was something to play for, by the way. Then you have the LA Lakers on Saturday with certainly something to play for. They are fighting and clawing to try to get out of that play in tournament. So the Lakers, I would say on paper, You're favoring the Lakers, even if Indiana will face them at home. And then you're playing Toronto on the road. They're playing for pride. They're already out of the postseason. They've done too much to tank the last few games of the season. I don't know what's going to happen, but Toronto, you could say Indiana wins that one. If the Hornets get one game and Indiana gets one game here on out, then the Hornets win that tiebreaker. Good enough. I feel okay about Indiana just winning one game in the last three that they have. You look at the whiz, Nada. Tonight is a big old game against Atlanta because that's at 7 p.m. If they win that one, then you take on the Cleveland Cavaliers on Friday on a day's rest. So Cleveland is no good. We know that they're looking to tank and try to get as good of a draft pick as possible. So I would expect the Wizards can beat Cleveland Bradley Beal or not. Atlanta, there's still a shot that they can beat Atlanta without Bradley Beal. Hell, they just came within one point of doing it on Monday. So the Wizards is the team that you're looking out for, especially that you play them in the last game of the season. I think that the Wizards win both of these games. I think they beat Atlanta tonight. I think they beat Cleveland. And when they do that, then they're going to have a game up on the Hornets if the Hornets continue to lose. Uh, The Hornets, to me... They at least need to win one, and I'm still not feeling great about it. But I just I don't see two wins out of this team, Nada. Like it's a difference. I, I think I think the Hornets are going to win one game, and 
it might be enough, but I'm not going to feel good about it. I'm not going to feel comfortable. Well, and I don't blame you for feel, not feeling comfortable. I don't feel good about saying they're going to win two games, but at the same time, like I, there's a part of me that really feels like Atlanta winning is Atlanta has to win this. Atlanta needs that five seed. Atlanta needs to be in that four or five game. And at this point, the only thing keeping them in the four or five game is to continue winning. And I think Atlanta's at least going to win this game because Bradley Beal's not back. I don't see a scenario in which the Wizards still remain competitive without Bradley Beal. I'm sorry. Again, granted, it's also the Cleveland Cavaliers. So they did on Monday, though, Nada. They, they were did. one point away without they did, Beal. But also, this is one of those, this is a game where two, both teams need it. This is not one of those games where Atlanta's secured the five seed, the sat, and the third. Nah, it's not even that. That's not even the case. Like, I do think that Atlanta needing this game to secure five, the five seed and possibly staying out of that 3-6 matchup with, with either Brooklyn and or Milwaukee, like, I think that matters a lot. So, yeah. I, there's a part of me that really thinks that Atlanta. I think Atlanta's winning tonight. I I do wonder about because if Washington doesn't win this game, then that win or go in scenario is very very possible right now. Yeah, it, that, tonight's game is huge between Washington and Atlanta. That's it. If if Washington loses, you feel a lot better about Charlotte's chances of just winning one game and then holding on to that eight spot. And if if Washington wins against Atlanta, they're going to beat Cleveland. And then it's all comes down to that last game. We'll see how it goes. All right. That's it for the lockdown Hornets podcast. Thanks again for joining us. Thanks again to Michelob ultra for uh, being a partner with the show. Tell your smart device to play the most recent episode of lockdown NBA Hollinger and Duncan really any show on the lockdown podcast network. Have a great day and we'll be back with you tomorrow. Mm-hmm.